The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Everyone, welcome to another exciting issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. We have issues Yay. you do too. Is that what it's all about? <laughs> That's exactly. There's our new slogan right there. We have issues you do too, and I'm, I'm going to bet that yeah. Dark Horse uh, yeah, steals that phrase. Oh, in, they'll, in they'll work that within the week. Oh, uh, we love Dark Horse comics. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, naked and getting it on. What did you think of that uh, issue, Matthew? You reviewed it over at the MajorSpoilers.com website. I thought it was an interesting way to do the Kama Sutra if you could fly. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I haven't read it yet. It's still in my pile of stuff. I keep, you know, you were talking on Tuesday's episode, Matthew, about uh, all the comics that you get. I probably get about 15 comics a week, plus all of the electronic versions mm-hmm. that companies send us and tell us to review. I just can't get through that everything. That you never send to me, ever? No, no, I send everything to you guys. You guys get everything that I yeah. get. And, um, and... I just what I'm starting to do is I start prioritizing things of here are things that I want to read so I can review. Uh-huh. Here are things that I probably ought to read and here are things that I'll I may read sometime in the future when there's a 10 issue run that I can just sit down and read at once. Mm-hmm. And those kind of get pushed aside. Uh, not you could tell in this room Rodrigo because it looks like everything's been pushed aside. Yeah, some piles some piles are bigger than the others. Yeah. Those now, are all the ones you, that need to be cataloged. If you want to see a counterpoint to characters having straight sex in a comic book, you can just <laughs> look at the cover of Buck Rogers number 10. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing gay about that. No, no sorry. No, sorry. I haven't even opened that up because, uh, you know, Wilma Deering. Let me let me look this up really quick. This is this came out this week, people, Who for those of you that are, lis- that are listening and want to go to your store. Hello, future people. Hello, um, future people. Wilma Deering was actually wearing some pretty revealing outfits. In the last issue, but crap, I'm half, well, there she is, halfway through the issue before we get to Wilma wearing her uh, low-cut dressinator thing, uh-huh. which is Dressinator, nice. that's funny. Yes. It's funny because it's true. And then she's only in for a few panels and then uh, comets, fa- comets falling from the sky. Should be a good read. I'm going to check that out this week. Um, what I want to know is what has been your greatest comic book discovery find? Matthew, I, why don't we uh, start with you? Because you had an interesting. I found a, a Neil Adams Skate Man. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, why? Once. Why? I want to hear I, about. I, I want to hear about this. Uh, our you know classic uh, Flash. Okay. Issue so here's 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 what Stephen is talking about. Every Saturday, uh, the owner slash manager of Gatekeeper Hobbies on Tune Engage Topeka ask us about what I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. <laughs> Has open buying hours and used to be that Dion would only buy on Saturdays before that Tommy would only buy on Saturdays. And before that, I don't remember. I think it was a guy with a girl's name, but in any case, um, you would buy on Saturdays and people would bring stuff in. And then occasionally if you're working the front desk, you'll get somebody bringing in like the 1994 reprint of action comics. Number one going, I heard this was worth a million five. 
And at that point, you have to go know what you have as a reprint. And I had a kid actually come in and go, how do you know? I said, well, Action Comics number one is about 85 pages. This is 20. Action Comics number one is a golden age book, which means it's a full quarter inch wider than what you have here. And most importantly, it clearly says here on the cover, May 1994. <laughs> but uh, this weekend, Dion had a guy come in with a stack of comics. He said, I got some comics and they're kind of beat up. And he's going through the stack and he's looking at the comics and he, he says to the guy, what do you want for him? And the guy says, "Will you give me 60 bucks. Really? 60 bucks? Don't you guys have a policy like 60. long box, a long box policy of 20 bucks per long box or something or, or not? We generally, we generally don't buy in long box lots mm -hmm. simply because of the amount of time that it takes. Generally, you, but he bought maybe 15 long boxes six months ago. I'm finishing the process of working through those now. So long boxes, I mean, we don't necessarily buy in bulk. This was a stack of maybe 15 books. Mm, okay. And on the top of the book was a Ghost Rider number 13. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, we're not talking Danny Ketch, Ghost Rider 13 from 1995. We're not talking about Johnny Blaze, Ghost Rider 13 from 1975. We're talking about Marvel Enterprises' Cowboy Ghost Rider nice. from 1954. Wow. And, you know, he buys, he buys a stack of comics, right? And he gives it to me. And he's like, I want you to, I want you to look in here. So I go in and I find this, you know, I'm like, oh, that's a, that's beautiful. That's a, that's a ghostwriter number 13. And then, you know, we find, um, there's a Mickey Spillane. I can't remember. It's like crime suspense stories or crime confession, something. It's the origin of Mike Hammer written by Mickey Spillane yeah. in comic book form. Beautiful condition, like a 6.0 condition. Like, damn. And I'm going through the stack and I find, you know, everything is, is neater than the last. There's like the origin of Superboy's glasses in adventure comics. <laughs> and you may think this is silly, but this means something. You know, Jeff Johns just retold the origin of Superboy's glasses in Superman's Secret Origin. Right. And then there's an, an action comics issue with Mixius Pitalik in it. And then there's a showcase number eight, the second appearance of the Silver Age Flash. Wow. First appearance of Captain Cold. And then there's a Flash number 105, which is the first issue of Barry Allen's run as the Flash, picking up from Jay Garrick's numbering, which ended in 104. And I'm looking at this book, and this book is in better condition than some of my Defenders issues from the 80s. Mm -hmm. This book is at least a 7.0. Remember, $60 for the stack. Yeah, that's some good stuff. And I go and I look. Flash number 105 mm -hmm. in essentially coverless condition. 1.0 is a $70 book. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just looking. In the condition we have. Yeah. What, what's the what does it say? Have? Well, I was just looking up showcase number eight. It's got a CGC rating of mm -hmm. five. And it's going on mm -hmm. eBay right now for 2000 bucks. Now, I'm going to tell you that this is probably the, the showcase mm -hmm. was probably better than a 7.0. Really? It was a beautiful book. Wow. The Flash 105 was at least a 6.0. Beautiful book. I mean, oh my God. You don't, you don't get to touch books like this. And I actually didn't get to touch them for long, but you don't get to touch books like this every day. And Dion immediately, he's like, okay. 
You've seen them. I want you to write copy for those. I am now sealing them in this box, and they are going to Comics Guarantee right now. Okay, and so you did send them so off. The, oh, they went straight to CGC. For okay. Grading. Even if a book like that comes back in below five, we're talking Silver Age key issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a Flash 105 or a Flash 123 or a Showcase number 8 can sell for hundreds of dollars in horrific condition. Yeah, here's So to the, have uh, something like this come through. Here is a Flash 105, first Silver Age-owned book, very uh-huh. rare. Let's see if it's got a condition on it. doesn't say a condition. It is going on eBay right now for 500 bucks. Wow, you so, guys got I mean, quite the steal. Touching these books is awesome. And that's kind of the thing about it. And here's the most important part. There are a couple of questions you ask that Dion specifically asks when you're doing this job. Mm-hmm. And the first one is, what do you want for it? Right. And the, the second one, you know, is, is what do you want? If somebody comes in with a book like that, and in this case, it, you know, it wasn't even something where I'm going to now hose this guy. It was literally, here's a stack of comics. What do you give me for them? Mm-hmm. Will you give me 60 bucks? What do you want out of the books? $60? Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, when, so that, just, uh, uh, when that collection was found, and I forget what the name of the collection is, when that um, collection was found in Wichita about five or six years ago, uh, the one that had, mm-hmm. and I forget what it was, the Prairie Dog Comics guys were involved in, mm-hmm. in helping sell that stuff. Um Right. They asked the woman what she wanted out of it because these were her husband's stuff that he had, you know, basically in sandwich bags under the bed for 50 years. She was just like, I want a new truck right. out of it. That's all I want. If I can sell these and get a new truck, mm-hmm. I'll do that. They bought her a new truck or whoever was the auction people bought her a new truck. And then I think those total for those comics went for a million dollars, I think. And there were a lot of comics in that. Uh-huh. Um, I, I know we have an article on it on the Major Spoilers website from way back when on what the to- total collection went for. But yeah, that's if people just want sixty bucks for it, or they want a new truck for it, and you know you've got something that's going to bring in a million dollars. Oh yeah, yeah sure. Here's a truck. Yeah. You know, uh, Flash number one hundred five. This one also doesn't have a rating. Fourteen hundred dollars on eBay. Yeah, and where did, it, it, where did things this... like that collection? Yeah, that's what I'm kind of wondering. Where did this guy have it? You know, it, it... Hmm? where did this guy have it? Was this stuff that was his or? A friend of his, or did he steal it from somebody? That was what we were kind of concerned about. Um, from what I can tell, it, 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 with books of this vintage, it's almost always the same story. These were my dad's or my grandpa's or my uncle's. We had a girl come in with a run of X-Men mm-hmm. from 92 to 199. Mm-hmm. Really great copy. Some of the best copies I've seen of X-Men 138. Um, X-Men 94, she didn't have giant size. She actually sold the giant size to someone else. But yeah. when you get a run of comics like that, you immediately, you know, you get a big run. You think, wow, who did you steal this from? Yeah. But when it's just, you know, a, a random stack, here's 20 comics that my dad had when he was a kid. One of them is a Flash 105. But to be in that now, good of condition. Of, yeah. One of the first comic books I ever dealt with was actually a Flash 105. Was this my the 1987 version of uh, the 1995 uh, no. Flash 105? My mom gave it to me when I was a kid. No, it was nice an old comic that she had, and I cut it up, 
Yeah. And I, you know, I, I took a little flash and glued flash figures <laughs> to my walls and I traced the pictures out of it. Yeah. And later when I found out what Flash 105 was, I'm like, that sounds familiar. Where have I read? Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. I find it you know, interesting. Because I, I. Go ahead. I, I had that book and it, it had no cover, but it was kind of complete before I got <laughs> to it. <laughs> With your scissors. I like the fact Indeed. that uh, when you compare the Flash 105 that you had with the 1997, 1995, whatever, uh, Flash 105, it's essentially the same color, uh, same cover, just updated, both featuring the Mirror Master, both featuring the Flash running across the, the, the page. Um, uh-huh. That's kind of cool to do those kind of callbacks. I like it. You, yeah. you have to do that. We'll so what do you guys think you're going to do? You're going to put them up on eBay. You're going to let uh, an auction company sell them. What are you going to do? Well, I've already written the eBay copy. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so it's probably going to go on the eBay. How do people find uh, the, I mean, I'm, here's a free plug for yeah. you, Dion. Thanks for uh, not paying for anything these last <laughs> two years. Where can people find you? Go the, uh, on the eBay, right? Here's yeah. what you do you go on the eBay, you go to WW. Oh, well, I don't want to use specifically. Let's just say you have an auction site. You go to www.auctionsite.com. Yeah. And if you were going to go to that auction site, you can actually enter Gatekeeper Hobbies into that auction site. Okay. And it's going to say zero results found. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> You're going to go from all categories, see, and you're going to search down to collectibles, see. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how to do it now. Okay. But I mean, <laughs> there's a way. Is... I think it may be under the advanced search tab. Okay. It's Gatekeeper Hobbies. Um, what is, do you know what the percentage, is... you, don't, you know what the price is for getting a CGC rating? Mm, is that a, that's not a free agent. service, is it? That's not a free service. Is oh, it? no. Golden Age books cost about 50 bucks. Um, Silver Age books are in the 35 range. Modern Age books around 15 to 20, I think, um, which is why you want to be careful what you're you know, slabbing. If you slab a Golden Age book that nobody really wants, yeah, you got to kind of gauge the over and under on these things. First of all, how many copies are out there? Right. How many copies are out there slabbed? Well, let's just. What are people paying for the slabbed copies? How long has it been since they've seen yeah. a slabbed copy? Well, let's just say that you do have a 7.0 version of this Flash All 105. Right. You you paid 20 bucks for a stack of how or 60 bucks for a stack of 20 comics. Yeah. So that's what three bucks a piece, uh, something, like something like that. And you're going to spend 35 bucks, 40 bucks to go and get this rated. And then you could potentially sell it if it is a 7.0, and I'd be interested. We're going to follow up on this uh, in a couple of weeks when you guys get it back. If it is a 7.0, you could sell it for $2,000. You've, you've got a huge profit margin right there. That's well, worth, that's well worth spending 60 bucks for somebody. In theory, yeah. Yeah, hopefully you can sell it for that much. Well, and even if you can't, I mean, you have to take into account what did you pay for a book. True. Recently, I put um, a run of Adam Warlock, early issues of Warlock. Like, I think it was the first appearances of Warlock from whatever Warlock first appeared in. No, it wasn't the first. It was after um, he was him and he became Warlock. So it was the episode, the issues where he first came Warlock, the first 12 issues of his series, and like a Hulk issue and three issues of Bizarre Adventures or something. And it sold for $65. 
Now, Overstreet would guide it considerably higher than that. Right. But we didn't necessarily pay that much more for it. And there are times when, you know, we have now three to five inches worth of space in the back issue bins. Yeah. That we didn't have before. And somebody has a run of Warlock that they really wanted. So a lot of times the job when it comes to this sort of thing is figuring out what's the audience, where's the audience, how do we get it to the audience? Here also up on eBay, the DJ Lighting 105 25-watt strobe mini-adjustable flash uh-huh. is uh, <laughs> selling for 23 bucks. Wow. <laughs> so sometimes what you enter is not always what you're going to get back when you type in flash number 105. I do want to follow up with you on, on this in a couple of weeks, Matthew, just so we can talk about it. Heck, it might even turn into a feature article that Matthew might want to write sometime <laughs> in the future. Rodrigo, have you ever made a uh, great discovery, comic book discovery? Um, and it doesn't have to be something like, I once had Action Comics number one, the very first one, until my dog ate it. No. Um, the closest thing is really just having a lot of random um, hologram cards, mm-hmm. uh, basically, that, that were given to me by someone who wasn't into comic cards anymore. Oh, okay. And me basically being able to get... Every one of the Fleer Ultra X-Men, like 2000-something, <laughs> just largely by just trading those away, which really, if you think about it, was probably a bad idea. But it, it allowed me to get my very first complete collection of cards right? Um, just by doing that. And what about like when some person just says... You know, I'm done playing this Magic the Gathering game. Here's all my cards. There's that. that oh, by the way... Here's five like ultra rare cards that just so happen to be in the in the stack. The what what is that moron doing now? <laughs> um, not playing Magic. That's Host, one hosting a podcast. That's for sure. I'll tell you what though, if you had started playing Magic in 1993 and had done that, yeah, then I would have been doing backflips because <laughs> chances are you'd have a Black Lotus in there or something. Yeah. Um, as as it stands now. You may have given me uh, probably a hundred bucks worth of rares at most. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I certainly appreciate it. No problem. Uh, for me, um, it's not necessarily f- having a rare find, but finding something that essentially was lost and then was found again. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my, and we've talked about it before and somebody actually wrote us a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was on a Twitter mention. Hey, what was your first comics? Do you guys remember your first comics? I said, Oh my God, you're going to have to go back and listen to that show where we talked about mm-hmm. favorite first comics. But the, um, the one that I remember the most is this issue of world's finest that I actually wrote about on uh, the major spoilers website in one of the retro reviews. And, I had that as a kid and tore the hell out of it mm-hmm. and always wondered what the hell was going on in that and always was trying to find another copy of it, a good copy of it, something that was not a, Matthew, a .5 copy of <laughs> of the book. Um, and I finally did find it. I found it at a, um, um, at one of the, I think it was probably one of the Planet Comic Cons a few years ago took me forever to track mm-hmm. down the issue because I didn't have the issue anymore. And then it took me even longer to dig through all the bins to find somebody that had a world's finest, whatever issue this was from, uh, 271, I believe. I don't remember what it was. Um, I think you did it as a retro review years ago. Yeah. 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 And that's what I was, I was just looking for it on the site. 
I think it's like 273 or 271. Let's look. Uh, but, you know, that to me was a, a wonderful find. One of those, hey, I remember this as a kid. Mm-hmm. And let's bring mm-hmm. it back. And so that's that's what I like. Now, I think I pay less than two bucks on it. Yeah, World's Finest, yeah. Uh, 271 from July 1st, 2007. Right the first time. Ha <laughs> yeah. ha. Yeah, you were. And um, that or the search engine on major spoilers is actually working the way it should. Um, no, that can't. Oh, I don't know. No, I never use your search engine. That can't be working at all. Um, oh, hey. I missed my uh, turning in my orders from previews this past week. They, oh, were due no. on, they were due on the 10th. Just got a message from my uh, comic book dealer. You know, the guy that first issues free. Yeah. Then you start paying out the nose. I, I think I am literally have put his kids through college. Nice. With all the crap that I buy. Nice. Um, did say that I can turn in my orders on time or late, and he will still get everything for me. Oh, that's nice. Which is that's kind cool. of a good thing. Which is really kind of a good thing. Um, Holy crap. I need to turn in my order. Yeah, it was due on the 10th. Normally, you know, it's due towards the middle of the month. Mm-hmm. This month, yeah. previews came out the last week of the month, and then the very next week, uh, it seemed like it was done. Yeah, mm-hmm. short, short, weird month. Rodrigo, you had a uh, conversation that we might be able to spend a little bit of time on before we're done with this week's show. Okay. Heroes becoming <laughs> villains, villains becoming heroes. That's right. Werewolf bar mitzvah, spooky, scary. <laughs> Give give us a breakdown. What are we talking about here? Um, what? Werewolf bar mitzvah, spooky, scary. What? Wolves, m- boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. Werewolf bar mitzvah, spooky, scary. Um, what? <laughs> throughout throughout you know the the history of comics and and especially especially in the nineties it seemed. Um, a lot of people, you know, they would come up with with a, a villain that was just very, very dangerous and very cool. Um, and people would say, wow, I sure would like to know more about Venom. Right. Um, <gasps> no! You said so, the V word. So rather than, say, write a comic book in which Venom would go around eating people and killing and murdering people, they would turn him into a hero. Um, there have been a lot of this, this has happened a lot. It's, it's gone a, down a little bit nowadays. Now, uh, the company seems to be a lot more into reviving kind of B list heroes and putting them in the spotlight. But for a while, villains becoming heroes in particular was the big thing that everybody was doing. You know, the Thunderbolts was, was a big deal when it came out. True. What about, um, then, this whole what what was the thing before siege uh matthew and marvel was the whole thing with uh iron patriot and venom being part of the avengers team or whatever uh, dark it was avengers. dark that avengers. was that was the thunderbolts yeah were they supposed thunderbolts to be were they supposed to be Avengers. heroes or were they still villains pretending to be heroes while they were really doing villainous things dark avengers is villains pretending to be heroes while doing villainous things okay so that's not what we're talking about here well that can be over i mean it's just that kind of switch over okay is that a good thing in comics well yeah do you like that kind of storytelling depends on how you look at it i mean well let's look at it this way um riddler is getting chased all over town because he knows all about uh batman's big secret Mm. and hush comes to him Casts him through a big plate glass uh, skylight, goes crashing down, gets a knock on the head, and wakes up with amnesia, 
and decides that, hey, I could use my powers of deduction for good and make even more money. I shall be a good guy. Mm-hmm. Is that work? Does that work in this case? No. What about Catwoman who says, that, meow, I'm evil, meow, and then all of a sudden, eh, I think I'll be good. Uh, no. <laughs> what about uh, what about Magneto? Bow to me, my Avengers of the world. Oh no, I'm gonna be good. Hmm. To me, my X Men. Um, to me, my X Men. Yes. No. Why not? In, in the Marvel universe, especially, the line between hero and villain has always been a blurry one. Mm-hmm. Um, early issues of Spider-Man had the police and most of the people treating him as a menace. The X-Men have always been, you know, a wild card to the point where a lot of people think of them as villains. Um, the second lineup of the Avengers, Captain America, two members of the Brotherhood of Evil and a guy who tried to kill Iron Man once. There, I mean, there, there are a lot of good things to be done. And I feel like, you know, the quintessential hero gone straight story is Hawkeye. Yeah. Who started out as a villain in the Iron Man comics. Uh, Black Widow started out as a villain in the Iron Man comics. Really, if you're going to be a villain and you want to turn straight, join the X-Men, then become an Avenger. Mm-hmm. So Emma Frost. It worked, and... worked for the Beast. Rogue. But the thing about a hero going bad. Gambit, no, Gambit's always been a quote-unquote good guy. Oh, okay. They they actually turned, they didn't turn him into a bad guy, it was just revealed that he had a dark past. Ah, okay, all right. He was a member of the Marauders. That's right. And he helped to kill lots of, he likes to kill lots of mutants that no one has ever heard of. He was was kind of like the the stable, he was like the the promoter of the Marauders, he wasn't actually in the Marauders. He was Bobby the Brain Heenan of the Marauders. Why does it work then in Marvel comics, but it doesn't work in DC comics, or maybe it does, it does, but doesn't, doesn't work as well? Well, look at the what I think it, uh, Alpha One. We were talking about that before. That didn't take place in the DCU. Okay, well, it was an imprint of DC. <laughs> well, it was a DC book, but it right, didn't right. take place in right. The well, that's true. That's true too. Yeah, that's like saying Sonic Disruptors is a DC book, but it's not as though it works better in the in either universe. I think it's a trick that. Marvel, because of the ambiguous nature of their heroes, gets away with more often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think that in the DC universe, well, let's look at it this way. If you go and take three big selling names from the DC universe or from the Marvel universe and stick them in the DCU. Mm-hmm. Okay, Batman is going to kill the Punisher. Uh-huh. Deadpool is going to be in jail. And if it comes right down to it, Superman will probably beat Wolverine to death with his own skeleton. Throw throw him into the sun. Yeah. Yeah, throw him into the sun. That's what the sentry would do. I think the Marvel Universe can do this more easily, hero to villain, but also villain to hero, Mm -hmm. because of the more ambiguous nature. One of the more recent hero to villain transitions, which has really worked for all intents and purposes, since villain doesn't really mean anything in an X-Men comic, is Bishop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, was he a Bishop, bad guy Bishop, to start out with? Yeah. No. Not Bishop, no. Bishop went from being, oh, from being a a an X Man to being the antagonist of Cable's book and wanting to kill Hope, the Last Mutant Child. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that he's become the antagonist is because Bishop comes from a world where he thinks that Hope is now, you know, going to lead to his dystopian future being real. 
So because what because of what Bishop believes and what he fights for, he's become a villain to the X-Men. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see Whereas that. because of what he believes and what he fights for, Magneto, their first foe, their most powerful and implacable foe, has now become a friend. And that's happened before, too. And it's just because of everybody's ambiguous, you know, everyone's ambiguous as whether they're good or bad. I mean, really, Magneto is not really a... I mean, he's megalomaniac. Well, I am far I, I, superior. I'm the homo superior, not the not the homo inferior, homo sapien. And so, therefore, just by my very ego nature, mm-hmm. I should be able to do these things, and you humans shouldn't be able to stop me. Yet there are those people who think we should be able to live with humans who are trying to stop me. Therefore, I'm cast in the light of villain. Yeah, I think I think the hero to villain, villain to hero thing works the best when the character, the character himself, has an agenda, and mm-hmm. that agenda can flip back and forward. Magneto, for example, his big agenda is the the betterment and and eventual supremacy of mutant kind. Right. So when all of a sudden the X-Men parallel that agenda, you know, when they're fighting sentinels out on the street who all they want to do is stompy stomp the mutants, then Magneto becomes an ally to the X-Men and is even heroic because he's running around saving mutants from being stomped. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, in the process, he might throw a sentinel head into a building full of humans. Yeah, killing but, all you know, the great yeah, schoolers. Yeah, yeah, you know, it happens. Um, well, what about what about series like um, uh, Irredeemable and what's the other one? In- incorrigible, incorruptible, incorruptible, incorruptible. Incorrupt. Where we've got incorrigible. That's funny. <laughs> the, the Plutonian and Max Damage, where we've got the hero turned villain and then the villain turned hero. How does you've been probably reading this the most, Matthew? Uh-huh. The difference here is that, A, they take place after the swap, after the fact. Right. But also they take place in a universe that is uh, kind of a thing unto itself. So there's nothing about an issue of incorruptible where you go, remember that time that the Plutonian teamed up with Iron Man and they fought Magneto? Yeah. So that's that's kind of a different premise, I think. That's a point where we've taken the hook and made the hook you know, important to the story. It's not as though we knew the Plutonian as a hero. If they told that story with the actual Superman, mm-hmm. that story wouldn't work. Well, what about then the villain turns hero turns villain again? Um, and maybe I don't want to say um, uh, Bane is is an example of this, but he kind of is. You know, he started out with "I must break the Batman." And then he breaks the Batman and goes around stompy stomping and venoming up and, and doing all these crazy things for years. And then all of a sudden, Batman, I need your help. We may be related and I want to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. And then Isn't he seems to Bane be from doing like Central America. I don't know where he's at. Yeah, well, from the, the island of Santa Prisca. I know then, that the project was set up in Central America. I don't know yeah. if the characters actually. So he might be. just be from somewhere else. He might be from, I don't know. Uh, but uh, But then. After a while of trying to be a good person, he's like, bah, I will go and join these secret six, and I will be evil again. Wait, he gets an option to join the secret six? Well, I mean, he just kind of forced upon him, but I mean, he's he's obviously doing uh, bad things again, and he yeah. is in cast in the light of the villain. Does that work in stories? Do you think that that's a... I mean, we see this happening a lot where Hank Pym is good, Hank Pym is evil, Hank Pym is good, no, he's still evil, no, he's good again. <laughs> I think the Hank Pimometer is either he's a putz or he's not. Right. Or he's smart enough that you don't care that he's being a putz. Right. Um, 
every time a character is redone or revamped or changed or turned, um, it kind of weakens the history of the character. It might be a strong new direction. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, Spider-Man is more bouncy and has even more gigantic air eyeballs, <laughs> right? Yeah. People like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, every time you change a costume, every time you kill a character and bring them back to the dead, you look back at the history of these characters and you say, you know what? Even though this isn't happening anymore, at least that's that's how I feel about it, I don't want to read about a British telepath who went to another dimension and then had a Spider-Man, a spider monster with dreadlocks take her brain out and put her in an Asian assassin, and mm-hmm. now she can teleport through shadows. Mm-hmm. You know, That's not necessarily what she's doing now, but that's what makes me not want to read about Psylocke. So when characters keep bouncing back and forward, I feel that when you look back at their history, it seems weaker, it has holes in it, it's, it, it kind of deteriorates the character. Right, right. Matthew, thoughts on that? He definitely makes a point. I think that flipping sides back and forth actually weakens the the and you know the initial uh, frassaman. Mm-hmm. I think uh, when, when we talked about Craven's last hunt, Craven went from being a third string villain to being crazy. And if at the end of that story, instead of having him blow his brains out and have you know a big gothic ending. He just went back to being the guy in the tiger mask. I think it would have undermined that story. So, mm-hmm. say Hawkeye spends 35 years as an Avenger, a leader of the West Coast Avengers, well-respected presence in the superhero community, to have him suddenly decide, I'm going to be evil again, mm-hmm. sets up the problem that five years down the line, someone's going to go, I liked him better as a hero. I'm not going to be evil again. It's... The hero to villain, the villain to hero thing is just a tool, a storytelling engine, if you will. And used correctly, it can lead to some great stories. But you also have to have the right place for it. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a place for everything and everything in its place. And if you use, let's say, like the Plutonian angle, the, the Plutonian story works. A similar story told about the sentry works in a different way. A relatively similar story told about Miracle Man works in a different way. Each of those are basically what if we take Superman to his logical extreme and the Man of Steel has feet of clay. So the hero becomes a villain, the villain becomes a hero, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Well, is that, let me just ask this as kind of a, uh, just a thought, not really something to debate debate back and forth. If, and again, let's put this in the real world. All right. If Superman, very much like the Plutonian or uh, Alpha One or many of these other characters that we've seen in other books, if this was real, is the natural outcome for them to end up seeking complete power? The only person who can really take care of you is me. Therefore, you must elect me your god and therefore, you know, your leader of the planet. Uh, to take care of these things, and if you just if you oppose me, then I will bring you down. Is that a natural evolution? I think this was brought up. What, where did where was this just brought up in a in an issue? Oh, uh, Invincible Returns that Matthew and I reviewed on the site in our Doodling Review last week. Um, the question was between uh, Cecil and Invincible was how far are you going to go in your 
view of the world before you say that you are the only one who can please the world. Therefore, everyone must do what you say. Is that a natural mm-hmm. evolution for, for the superhero in a real situation? I think it's a natural evolution of human nature. It's, okay. It's imperialism. It's it's saying, well, we we know what's best. Look at our wonderful society. We have tall buildings. We have sewage. We have lights. We have guns. Guns are important. Look at those poor people over there. They don't know what they're doing. They're skewering animals and cooking them over an open fire. That's ridiculous. Let's go take them over, teach them our religion, teach them our values. And even if they don't want to, they don't get a choice because we know better. We have all the power. Yeah. Our our yeah. technology is superior, right? Mm-hmm. We, we got to be doing something right. We're helping them. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of a, a a a single person imperialism. It's saying you know what if like the 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 British Empire or right. you know the um any any given thing is what if that was only a single man? It's right. it's kind of just pulling right, all right. that into a single right. a single person, a fable, if you will. Sure, Matthew, thoughts. It's definitely a good point, but let me ask, you know, something ridiculous. Let's say you get the superpower to turn traffic lights green. Are you going to use that to solve the problem of, you know, traffic and and issues and gridlock? Or are you going to use that to get to the Chipotle quicker? That depends. When I, when I, with this power to turn the light green, does that also mean that I have the power to, to turn the other lights red? Is that the you Let's know, the say that you have the red? ability to make we're going to make the signals go in your favor. Oh, okay. Make the signals go however you want them to go. I'm sure in, initially and I, I know we've talked this topic before. Initially it would be like, "Hey, this is all about me. I need to get to work to Chipotle to get to the Dunkin' Donuts whatever mm-hmm. as fast as right. possible." The all Dunkin' green. Donuts by the Orange Julius. And I actually have that power. Yes. 5 out, well, I shouldn't say 5 I out know. of 10 That's times. why traffic and hate sucks. 8 out of 10 times I can snap my finger and the light will turn. Dude, green. there are only 4 traffic lights in Hayes. There Don't even six, talk to me. 6 lights on the way to my work and I can make them all <laughs> turn pass, green I at will. I pass more lights on the way to my office than you have in the entirety it, can, of your city. I can do it anywhere. That's right. I can do That's it why you always get red lights, Matthew, cuz yeah. Steven can actually see through would I, would traffic I do it, lights. But would I do it to say I'm going to screw with Matthew? Matthew. No, I don't think well, I do that. Yeah. I don't think yeah, I'd do that. Would. Nah, I you don't think me. so. You I would. might do it once or twice just as a gag, but not just to torment somebody. You would do it every evil. day to torment me. But I wonder, I wonder, Superman has now spent a year, or really three months, mm-hmm. on this new planet called New Krypton, and he's being indoctrinated into the ways of the Krypto- Kryptonian people by way of serving under Zod, and as he sits in... The service of Zod, he starts to understand how Zod, Zod's mind works, and he starts to understand why Zod, as a leader, wants to do this, and why Zod demands these kinds of things. And I'm wondering but if Zod insists that you kneel before him. Yeah, that that kind of stuff. But I wonder if at some point, and I'm not saying DC would ever do this, but I'm wondering if at some point, just being around Zod, and even though they're not fighting with one another, but they're having a mental struggle and an ideological struggle, um, if at some point Superman doesn't come back changed and almost doesn't take on the role of the the homo superior, even though he's not the alien superior, mm-hmm. uh, to to the United States at some point. 
I don't know if that would even be an interesting story. Would you? Oh, it would if be that, an interesting story. If DC story. went that route, would you want to read that? Sure, and it would be an interesting story for five issues, and then they would undo it because yeah, they because you can't do that to Superman. No, you can't. You can't. You can't cut off the Shadow's head and put in a robot body without the, yeah, without somebody without going, somebody Wah! pulling the plug, right? Yeah, way to go, communist. Um, so that's that's why you have you know supreme power and powers right. and the authority and stuff like that right, is right, to right. explore that kind of thing, right? Um. But, you know, he could. It's just you're never actually going to see it with Superman unless it's an Elseworlds thing. I mean, you look yeah, at yeah, Kingdom we've Come. Seen, we've seen Kingdom Come and we've you know, seen Kingdom Come, some Superman other Red says, Sun. This is how I want things to go. Everybody else says no. And he doesn't take over. He says, well, screw you guys. I'm going home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So... Any... Uh, why do you have Stephen Colbert on this list? <laughs> Um, Stephen Colbert has has become much more of a villain, I think, than than he was before. When he was working, when he was part of John Stewart's team, yeah, um, as another Green Lantern. <laughs> I, I Wrong, John Stewart. Yeah, sorry, that's a Daily Show. Stewart. When he was on the Daily Show um, team, he, you know, he was one of the one of the many goofball reporters. But um, after he got his own show, he kind of had to become. The, the dark polar opposite of Jon Stewart. Whether, right. Whereas Jon Stewart every day screams at you, and, and the man is a bit of a ham, but as he screams <laughs> at you, why are things so ridiculous in politics? Why, right. are, why are people going along with this? Stephen Colbert, largely to accomplish the same thing, goes along with it and 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 it's this this hilarious force of evil right right um title of this episode stephen colbert is evil sorry correct. mark wade but we're gonna steal that that's from right you. do you agree with that assessment of stephen colbert matthew i'm not astute enough on my colbert i know it comes on right after scrubs but i only see about the first 30 seconds before it you know cuts off the recording i will say this <laughs> there is a place where Going from hero to villain is a common occurrence, and it does happen, and you do go back and forth, and there are times when it does undermine the character. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the prime example of that for me is that when done well, a heel turn, mm-hmm. like the one Hollywood Hogan did in 1996, oh, yeah, is that. an amazingly powerful thing. When somebody is clearly, you know, a hero like Hulk Hogan was for 25 years and then suddenly turns heel, it can be a really powerful moment. But then it became to the point where he had to be the bestest, best heel ever. And all the other heels had to want to work for him and work with him. And it, you know, turned into a point where everybody was heel turning to get on the side of the guy who had the power. Right. You know, and it, the same thing is true in comics and with those characters. If you want an example of the problem, there is a wrestler named Glenn Jacobs who wrestles as Kane. Kane is the eternal utility player. Kane came on the scene as a heel, a, a bad wrestler, an evil guy, because The Undertaker, who was the biggest thing in wrestling at the time, was working as a face, a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. So his job was to come in and confront the Undertaker. But then the Undertaker turned heel. So Kane turned into a face. But then Kane got in a situation where he was hooking up with somebody else who then turned heel. So Kane became a heel. And then Kane started feuding with Shane McMahon, who was at that point a heel, and then turned face. Bubble, it's bubble, literally bubble. to the point where in the last you know 10 years or 11 years, I think Kane's been on the scene since 98, mm-hmm. he has flipped allegiances 
two or three times a year throughout his career. He goes from being the big red machine, who's a good guy, to the big red monster. And there are times when he actually, he became a huge face long enough for the guys that he was fighting to all get fired. And then all of a sudden they had to heel turn him again because they didn't have anybody for him to fight. Nice. When you, when you use it too often, when you go back to the well too often, and this is true of any storytelling engine, mm-hmm. you go back to the well too often and eventually the pump don't work because the vandals broke the handles. You know, Kane right now could, I, I think he's a heel. He face turns tomorrow. There's a pretty good chance that it's not going to have the same effect it had when Hollywood Hogan came out and said, now I'm evil. Wahahaha. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it depends on where you're doing it and how you're doing it. And to be honest, who you're doing it to. Iron Man's heel turn during Civil War was endemic to the character. It was right. organic. It made perfect Has to sense. Be motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the end of, of, of Secret Invasion, Iron Man was turned face, not because he wasn't a schmuck anymore, but because a bigger villain showed up. And then all of a sudden, Iron Man had to confront that villain. So, you know, the back and forth there was organic and it made sense. Mm -hmm. As long as it makes sense for the character and as long as it makes sense within the universe, like a Superman heel turn would never work unless you fundamentally change the nature of Superman, which is Mm -hmm. why Elseworlds put his powers and split him into two. Yes. Or even if you were to take him and put him, you know, I think it was uh, Cal, the one where he landed in medieval times and became yeah. the king. Yep. It was it was not Superman because it was not Superman. Right. He didn't grow up with Thomas and Martha going, play nice, stop crushing Bobby's urethra. Right. <laughs> the word I was looking for there was sternum. I apologize for the inconvenience. I didn't take biology class. I was in accelerated classes and went straight to chemistry. But <laughs> so like okay, so the bottom line is do it right, make it work, don't do it too often, make it motivated for the character. That's right. And it yeah, can do work. It, do it in a way that makes sense and it works. Okay. Deadpool turning face is a great idea. All right. Venom turning face was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Riddler turning face? Questionable. I like the the idea. I like the idea behind it. I like because ultimately his his motive is I'm not going to be good. It's just that instead of robbing a bank and getting the crap kicked out of me each time, I can charge these people outrageous sums of money and the and and the riddle on top. The riddler occupies a very narrow area as far as a Batman villain. I mean he he's not as crazy as the Joker, right? And he's not like someone like Rachel Gould, where like has all these plans already in place and yes. all this stuff. So him he's turning kind of into an obsessive a, compulsive, yeah, in the dirty hat. Yes, yeah, him is. turning into monk, yes, <laughs> makes sense and play and just all of a sudden opens up all these new stories. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, I want to dive into the email bag. Matthew writes, "I have two questions. <laughs> not this Matthew, but this other Matthew." Not that. I, I have, have two, two questions. questions. One of my favorite series, Image Comics Pirates of Coney Island by Rick Spears, uh, got to issue five of eight, then it was delayed for a while, then made it to issue six, now nothing. I've spent countless hours searching for any scrap of info I could find, except for very few old articles. The Image website I cannot find anything on. I wondered if you guys had any idea what's going on with that series or possibly shed some light on this or point me in the right direction. Matthew, any idea? I don't know of any idea. I do know that 
most of the image comics are creator owned. So it's up to the creator to do the series. And then if it pays off and all your costs are taken care of, then you come out on top. But other than that, I have no idea what's going on with it. Matthew? Your your audio cut out, and I didn't hear the whole question. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, what's going on with Pirates of Coney Island? How come it's not out? Where'd it go? What's going on with it? Pirates of Coney Island? Pirates of Coney Island? I'm trying to remember. Pirates of Coney Island. What was that? I don't that wasn't remember. That was an actual pirate. I think it was like a... No, 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 no. It was like some punky kids or something that... It's been so long since that series some, been out. Some punky Brewster kids. It's kind of like, what was it, Planetary. Why did Planetary take, what was it, a year and a half, two years between the, the second to last and issue and the last issue? Why was that, Matthew? Do you remember? I believe that John Cassidy doesn't draw really, really fast. Ah, okay. And John Cassidy was getting a lot of work and a lot of cover work. Pirates of Coney Island. An eight-issue comic book published by Image Comics, first released in 2006, written by Rick Spears. The series has experienced major delays. It looks like only six of the eight issues. Right. I don't know. I I was not familiar with this. A lot of times what you'll find in the case of Planetary was it took, I think it's Warren Ellis. I always confuse him with Garth Ennis. I think it took Ellis... They are the same man after all. A while to write it. Yeah, they changed the name for tax purposes. But then it took Cassidy a while to draw it. According to Rick Spears' MySpace page, Pirates of Coney Island is stupid late, but, quote, not dead nor canceled. There you go. Issue 7 and issue 8 will happen because tomorrow may never come. But essentially, I think more than likely what happened, and, you know, this happens a lot, uh, at, at one point, I started my own e-federation, e an online wrestling federation with my uh, characters from my game. I had six episodes in the can when I started, and I knew that I could keep up weekly format, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people out there are still waiting for episode seven. Yeah. And I mean, it, 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 it just happens. I mean, the Hero Histories did that same thing where we had, like, they were coming out, like, once a month and then... Once every other month. They were coming then, out. They were coming out biweekly. Yeah. Then my computer started to crap out, and they were monthly. And then I lost like three computers in quick succession. And then I think we went from like November to March. Yeah, well, like it seemed like six months Europe or something. Through. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, Matthew five. goes on to write to say. Also, what are your thoughts on another image title, The Amazing Joy Buzzers? Any or Buzzards? Anybody read that? Mm, I haven't. Yep. Sorry, I haven't. Have you read it, Matthew? I have. I used to read Joy Buzzers when we got the uh, image. The preview mm-hmm. copies. Each. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Any good? Uh, basically, it's it's kind of like what if the monkeys were the X Men? Oh, okay. it, it really is. It's, okay, it's kind of a wacky rock and roll band who fights, uh, who like fights against evil people, and they have like a, a Mexican wrestler who's also a genie, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of cool. <laughs> El Champion. <laughs> So, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It really does remind me of nothing so much as the monkeys. Um, the last I saw that, I want to say there were like two short or two limited series. All right. And supposedly a third on the way. Okay. All right. I don't know how to, how to interpret Matthew's a closing to this. What does it say? It says, Thank you, comma, Matthew and Rodrigo, and the rest of the major spoilers crew for what they do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Thank you, Matthew and Rodrigo. That's not correct. He, he said he, thank you. He said thank you. 
Matthew, Matthew and Ryan Rodriguez. Because when I read that the first time, I'm like, what am I? <laughs> Come on. No, it's, thank you, Matthew and Rodrigo. Yes. And you and, are and the, the rest. rest of the main and the spoilers. Rest. Yes, don't are here on Gilligan's Island. Yes, I am. You're the professor and Marianne. Yes, I'm the uh, skipper. Rodrigo's my little buddy. <laughs> Victoria, of course, is is uh, Ginger. Hmm. Sam is Marianne. <laughs> Stacy B is Mr. Howell. Uh-huh. It gets a little weird at that point. Uh huh. I guess All that right. means Otter Disaster has to be Mrs. Howell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as either that, no, he can be Vito Scotti as the the uh, lost Japanese soldier. I, on honestly, I think he's the Globe Trotters. I honestly hey, don't know. <laughs> I don't know where we are in critical hit releases, but something that we've started doing in critical hit that you'll either hear this weekend or you may hear in a couple of weeks is starting to do some shout outs to people that have given us five star reviews over at iTunes. Mm-hmm. We do appreciate everyone who goes over to iTunes and leaves us some five star reviews. Uh, Where's Chard said, hey, this is fun stuff. They rock. They're not totally polished, but that's part of what's great. Real guys talking about uh, comics and sort of geek stuff. Yeah, they hit some of the same points reliably, but that's part of uh, actually talking about. That's part That's part of actually talking about what you really think. I think he says what you really think. It's one of those pods I look forward to each and every week. Give it a sh- shocked shot. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're a really big show, really big show. Nerdgasm says Stephen Rodrigo and Matthew are my Tuesday and Saturday dose of comic goodness. I can't really afford to buy comics, though I'm a huge comic nerd. I'm a Marvel Essentials and DC showcase buyer. Five bucks a book is pretty pricey. But by turning to the Terrific Three, hey, we got a name. Nice. The Terrific Three. I'm. I prefer current, the Titanic Three. I'm current I prefer, on I the big the troublesome Three, but I think that's yeah, taken. Yeah, the terrible trio. Um, the big two's events in the books I wouldn't normally pick up. Atomic Robo, thank you, Matthew, for the George Carlin references. He's one of my idols, too. Keep up the good work on both podcasts. That's from Nerdgasm Big Mick. Now, so, can I you. just momentarily address the Carlin references? I Sure, I, I guess. I, I, I want to I touch this just for a second. <laughs> Somebody started pointing out to me, my friend Mark actually started pointing out to me, just how many Carlin references there are. Now, I am not always entirely aware when I make a Carlin reference. I'm to the point now where some of these phrases have actually entered my vocabulary so many years ago and become so prevalent that I don't remember that it's a Carlin reference until somebody says to me, hey, that's off the flip side of Toledo window box. And I'm thinking, crap, it is. So I got that going for me. Well, I don't think he was complaining. I think he's just saying that, hey, I love it when you drop those in. Matthew's I'm not saying, saying he doesn't remember just, oh, that you just man. don't remember doing it. There are times when people say to me, hey, that was a great Carlin reference. I'm like, oh, yeah, And the, it and was. the response to that is, thank you. I did it just for you. That's right. All right. <laughs> My everybody. name is Elvis. We are I out of here. If you want your five-star review read on the show, all you have to do is head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and help us get a lot of five-star reviews because, you know what, it does help in some weird, strange way that we may be talking about on next week's show mm-hmm. with our announcement. And until next week's show, I think we will wrap it up there. Remember, head over to Majorspoilers.com for all your comic-y goodness and nerdiness talk and sometimes other talk about games and and boobies and whatever else we find in our... Hey, we don't talk about breastuses here. We don't? Shoot, I'm going to have to go back and rechange our mission statement. That's right. All right, everybody, we're going to be back next week to talk about Elephant Men, Volume 1, Wounded Animals. Why? Because we love comics, and we know that you do, too. We will talk with you next time. Elephant Men, Elephant Men, doing the things an elephant can. 
If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page Would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be In the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast Copyright 2010